as you think about that question that's on the screen, what I'm interested in this morning is not so much how you'd answer that, but what you'd base your answer upon. To say to someone, this is who I am, what would you look at? What would you think about? What would be on your radar as you're trying to form an answer of who you are? Well, we'd probably start with our physical bodies. I'm so tall, we probably wouldn't mention how much we weigh. We might talk about our hair color, our eye color, things like that. We might talk about our minds, what we know. Maybe where we, how much we went to school or what we studied. Maybe we'd talk about our emotions, our feelings. All of those things make up who we are. And Scripture recognizes that. That we have a body, we do things, but we also have, have emotions and we have thoughts. Now science would say all creatures on the planet are that way. And in fact, a lot of scientists today would say we really are no different than all of those other creatures. We might be a little more well-developed. We might have a larger uh, cranial capacity, a bigger brain. Or our hands can do some things that other animals can't do. But basically, we're just a higher life form of all the other animals. And that's who we are. I think most of us, when we hear that, there's a part of us that says, I don't like that. I really want to be more than a well-developed amoeba. You know, I, I, I want to be a little more than a chimpanzee who's smarter. I think there's an inner voice in most of us that says, somehow I think we're more than that. And the Bible would agree the Bible would say that we are more than just these basic elements of a, of a body, of a mind, of some emotions, a heart. That there is more to us than just that. Something which makes us unique, makes us human. In Genesis 1.27 we read, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It's a fascinating verse to think about, and it certainly doesn't answer all our questions. But the basic truth that is contained there says that we are different because these phrases are used of no other things God has created up through the days of creation. He doesn't use this for animals or fish or birds that science says we're just like them. It is only for us, humans, men and women, that we hear God saying, I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to make you after my design. There are things that you're going to have that no other creature has that I've created that is just for you and me. Now, what's that going to be? Well, in 2.7, God adds to that. And you might miss it, and depending on your translation, you will miss it. I was interested as I was getting ready for this sermon. 
how most of the new translations have dropped the literal word that's used in Genesis. In chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. That's the literal word that's used there in the Hebrew. The NIV says a living being. I don't like that because my dog is a being. And it fits right back into us being no different than the cows or, or the sheep or anything. But that's not the word that's used there. When God breathed into Adam, he became not just alive, he became a living soul. And we hear something new that wasn't applied to anything else. And I believe it gives us a snapshot or at least one window into what God meant when he said, I will create you humans, men and women, in my image. Different from all the rest. Because only we have a soul. Jesus would definitely agree with this. Over in Matthew 22, when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment, the most important thing for us to do as humans? Notice what Jesus points to. Love the Lord your God with, how do we love God? Our hearts, our minds, and our souls. With all that physical body, and yeah, with that heart and your emotions, and yeah, with your mind and how you think, but there is one other aspect from Genesis 2. And Jesus knows it's there, and he says, God needs you to love him with your soul as well. And again, we're presented with this thought that there's something different about us. And one of those differences is that we humans are born with a soul. Something that no other animal has. But what is that soul? What, what's it mean? What, what does it do? Is it just one more piece of me? I think the soul is much more than that. I put a diagram in the sermon notes. Our soul is not only who we are, it is also how we relate to God. Because God is a spiritual being, and guess what? Like Him, in His image, He's given us a spiritual dimension to our lives. We are more than just our physical desires, our, what our body can do, the thoughts we can think, or the feelings we have. There is a whole nother aspect of us, and that is that we have a spiritual piece of us so that we can get that there's a spiritual God, that there is this other dimension that we function on that exists. My dog doesn't know about that. The cows out in the pasture, they don't know about that. They don't get it, and there's no amount of talking I can do or treats I can give them. They're going to get it. Because they don't have that soul that we do. But that soul isn't just about us relating to God. You see, it's also about us realizing there's all these other people around us, and they too are spiritual beings. And we start to see that and understand that, or we can. 
that those people around me are not just animals, well-developed animals. They too get this. They too have a spiritual side. They too can relate to God and see all that's going on. And there's one more piece of that diagram, and that is the world, creation. And I'm not saying that the creation has a soul. This isn't Star Wars and the Force. But it does allow us to see that this creation isn't just neutral. This creation isn't just a bunch of matter. It is God's design and creation. And it will last. And there's a spiritual dimension to this whole creation. Revelation tells us what? There will be a new heaven and a new earth. It is going to get fixed. And it's not going away. The brokenness is, but through our souls we start to understand that all of this is much bigger than just some physical things that are running down. And we start to see this big picture of creation and others and God and ourselves. Now, why does this matter? Why are we taking a couple Sundays in September to talk about this? One of the reasons is I believe it's so important. And, and I just hope I can communicate that to you today. And part of the reason I say that is there are a lot of people today that don't know about the soul. And if they do, they're not interested. And what they're trying to do, and maybe this is you, they're trying to live their life in those other dimensions. By what I do. By what I know. By how I look. My physical appearance. And that that's what matters for their lives. And in that degree, they are trying to live in the same physical world that the animals live in. And if we ignore the soul, if we ignore that spiritual dimension, the scientists are right. We are at that point no different than the chimpanzees. Because we're just trying to live out of our bodies and our emotions and what we have and what we do and what we know and how we feel. And the tragedy is, the bad news is, those simple basic things are not enough to give us a fulfilling, meaningful life. Because we do have a soul. And we may deny it and we may ignore it, but guess what? There's going to always be that little voice that says, there must be more. I meant for more. What am I missing? You see, it takes God. It takes that soul. It takes understanding to see people around us as more than just other animals on the planet. You see, it is in the soul that we find our identity, who I am, who I really am. That I am more than an animal. I am made in the image of God. 
and I have a soul, and I can understand God to some degree. I can relate to Him. All of that that I can do, who I am changes. Our relationship with God changes. Not only are we aware that He is there, we understand that we can communicate with Him, we can have a relationship with Him. That He is more than just this grand designer who made the universe and is removed or impersonal or doesn't care. Our soul helps us come to know Him and how He feels about us, that He made us in His image. And He has a deep care about us. And we can know Him. And it changes our whole relationship with the people around us and how we see them and how we see this planet and everything that is involved because it's God's design. And God is working here and He's working in them and He cares about them. And how we see all of this changes when we understand we have a soul. We live and function in this spiritual dimension. And we come to understand that our life has more value than we ever dreamed. Because God has some things to do for us. And things for us to do for Him. And, and my life is more than the trophies on this shelf I won in high school. Or the certificates or, or the pay raise I get. Or losing my job. My life is more than all that. I, there is a God there and, and I am part of what He's doing. And suddenly my value and my purpose are totally transformed. Wherever I work, whatever my age, whatever grade in school I'm in, I see it differently. Because I am made in God's image and I have a soul and I'm a part of this bigger picture. And there's going to be things, just like we prayed for everyone in the school, we could pray that for every one of us in this room, wherever we work or live. We come to understand, oh my gosh, God may have something for me to do at work this week. Or this evening on the golf course. Or Thursday as we have lunch together with my friend. God has something he may want to do through that. And I see my life differently. You see, the thing is, it's not all about me. That is the most destructive lie of Satan. Because what that does is that it is sin. And sin disintegrates. You see, what this says is, can I ask you to remember the word integrate? Understanding the soul integrates all of this together. Not just my body and my mind and my heart. And not just me, but it shows me I fit in with God. And I fit in with other, these other people and, and, and the creation around me and what's going on in the world. Sin breaks all that. Sin says, you don't need all that. It's just you. Live for you and what feels good and what you want and what will get you ahead. And just look to yourself. And sin disintegrates us. And we're broken off from God. We're broken off from other people. We're broken off from God's world and all that he's doing, and we're just living for me. 
I ran across this study. I referenced the book at the bottom of the notes, Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. But he quotes a study. This is from the Journal of American Medicine, not your leading Christian organization, okay? The AMA, in an article in the journal, said, people who lived in each generation in the 20th century, people who lived in each generation as progress was happening were three times more likely to suffer from depression. So my grandparents had depression at whatever level. My parents' generation was three times more likely. My generation, it's three times. We're talking multiplication, not addition. My generation, three times more likely. My kids' generation, three times more likely to suffer from depression. This is from the Journal of American Medicine, not Christian groups. But we're getting more more, um, sophisticated. We have more technology. We know more. Psychology has grown. All of this. How can we be more depressed? And what is the chief killer of young men today? Suicide? How can this be? Is not that line of progression of depression directly in line with our culture saying, live for me? My grandparents never had a clue of living for me. They lived for their family, their faith, and making their country better. It was not about me. And as we have seen that grow and grow and grow, we are less happy and more depressed. Why? Because we're trying to find the meaning of life inside us. And in that process, we are disintegrating from God. We are cut off, and we're cut off from others, and we're cut off from our purpose in God's creation. In Matthew 16, Jesus has an ominous warning. He says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus gives that warning at the end of the parable of, of the rich fool who built bigger barns and bigger barns. And he had all the physical stuff. He had everything that me wanted. He was wealthy. He was successful. He was powerful. He was comfortable. He had it all. And Jesus said, don't miss it. You can have it all and still lose your soul and be a fool. And then what will your life matter? How is your soul? We're doing these two sermons at this point in the year because I want this to be on your radar for this school year. This fall, this winter, as summer's ending and our lives change and we reorganize our schedules and and we reorient what we're doing, I want to be in there fighting for you 
to say, what am I going to do for my soul? Because for a lot of us, here's what we do, isn't it? We, we pay attention to our bodies. What are we going to do this year? Well, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the Y. I, I'm going to do something to get my body better. Or I'm going to do something so I can get uh, an advancement at work or earn more money. I'm going to do something at work. And we got that figured out. And we're going to learn something and I'm going to do something so I feel better. And we devote a tremendous amount of time of taking care of that part of our bodies. But what are we doing to develop our souls? We're going to talk about that next week. How to check our souls. How we doing. And what do we do to have our souls be more healthy? Because what I would challenge you to see is that maybe the most important question for our year is this. What am I going to do for my soul this year so that I don't end up being that fool who gained everything else but I forgot to work on my soul? And I need to take that one, more, one step further. For those of you who are parents with kids at home, I want you to ask that same question for your kids. What are you going to do for them? For their souls? We all would say, you all would say, as parents, you have never been busier as parents. And you're working very hard to provide for your kids for all that other stuff. That they're doing well in school and their mind is expanding. They're doing well in sports and their body's expanding and dance and teams and, and all of that. But I want to ask you, what are you doing so your kids' souls grow? And too often, church and youth group and Sunday school is the first thing we cut. And then 10 years down the road, when we don't understand why our kids are what they are, and we're going to say, what did we do to feed their souls? What did we do so they grew spiritually? So they had a spiritual foundation under them. And I know some of you kids are sitting there saying, oh, great. They're going to drag me to church again. They're going to drag me to youth group. Well, you need to cheer if you have parents who are doing that. Because that means you have parents who care that your soul grows? And there's nothing more important. We need to understand that we are created in the image of God. And that means He has given us a soul. And one of the most important things we can do is to feed our souls so that we are closer to God and spiritually alive and growing spiritually and healthy and we know Jesus. There's nothing more important we can do this year. And so I would ask you this week to consider this question. How is your soul? How important is it to you? And I ask you to come back next week as we get practical about how do I check my soul? And most importantly, how do I make sure my soul is flourishing and growing and that spiritually I am getting more and more involved in this big universe God has made 
and my part in it. Let's pray. Father, I know this is so important to you. I know that. And I know Satan is immediately giving people excuses and reasons to ignore this and focus on all the other stuff. Because he wants us disintegrated. He wants us broken off from you. He wants us focused on all the stuff that makes us busy. Stuff that will not last. And I know you're calling each of us to lift our eyes and look to you and feed our souls. And I pray you do that now and this week and next week as we talk about this. Father, may you cheer the spiritual progress that happens this year in the lives of the people in this room as they make their souls a higher priority. I pray this in your Son's name. Amen.